Hey, Dave. Yeah, what's up? Smell this episode. Does it smell spoiled? Ugh! A little bit. Should we try that? Uh, I mean, I'm not down to try it right now, but hey, just warn everyone else that there might be spoilers in this review. Yeah, like weak old milk. It's bad. It's spoiled. So if you don't want spoilers, don't go in the refrigerator. Just watch the movie before you're listening to the show. Welcome to Post Gut, the show where we analyze films from the latest to the greatest, the worst, and the lamest. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Post Cut. I'm your host, actress of the stage and screen, Sarah Peterson. With me today, I have VFX artist David Vierkamp. Hello, hello, hello. And writer and editor David M. Brown. Hello. We're actually here to review a very surrealist film. This is a film that was suggested to us by uh, David Brown. Many times on One. this podcast. <laughs> for for anybody of a of a given age or someone who is a re, you know, a real cinephile in the sense that they watch movies a lot and they like off kilter things, you only need to hear two words, and that is David Lynch. <laughs> And you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Dave finally got us to watch it. We watched Eraserhead from 1977, directed by David Lynch. Um, Written by David Lynch, directed by David Lynch, edited by David Lynch, sound designed by David Lynch. It is David David Lynch. Lynch. I want to do the first reaction of this film. Go right ahead. Because my reaction is this. If cocaine, meth, hell of a drug, ecstasy, mushrooms... Yay. And I think a little PCP had a baby. <laughs> that would be the film. And I don't take that lightly because I've done, I've, I've, sub- I've described another film like that and it's hair. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's how I would describe this film. Um, you could definitely say the 1970s was a time for experimentation when it comes to different types of film. I mean, we've covered 1970s films before. Obviously, we did The Man Who Fell to Earth, which is another one of those films that is like drugs on steroids, <laughs> which is another drug. <laughs> drugs on drugs on drugs. Drugs on drugs on drugs. If, if you were to make a feature film, would it be drugs on drugs on extra drugs? It's drugs the house down. <laughs> Come on. Um, Go on. <laughs> So I want to know more now. That's exactly how I feel this film is. It's it's one of those things that can only be described as a lucid dream come to life. Mother dragon. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine how much peyote David Lynch was you're doing. Just, just going with this drug. I, I don't I don't think David Lynch has ever done drugs. I don't think so. Other than either. caffeine. That's the craziest that's, part. That's the part. The most abstract artists are the ones who don't do drugs except for tim burton he he thinks Uh he you you can delve into the mind of david lynch in this film and still just be like i have no idea what he was thinking uh david Camp, what was your first impression because i already know david brown's okay well if you've heard the show already i'm into surrealist art so it's already in my vein it was definitely probably the weirdest movie i've watched i'm going to say this this is now the new this is the new bar. It sets the bar. <laughs> the bar. Okay, so it's if, better if, off dead and then a razor head. I can't describe this movie in words. It's not a movie of words. No. It's not of this earth. It is such a 
There are so many moments I enjoyed and then so many mo moments that actually truly horrified me. What a weird movie, though, because if this is a student film, it's got the 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 throwback to the classical film style. The black and white film style in the movie is so on point. Mm -hmm. The camera work is so on point of that style and era that you it really I don't feel like it's a student film, even though it has that the the. The, it's the, an advanced student film, you yeah, could say. Almost. Yeah, it, it's like if a if it's yeah, it's weird. I don't it's know. the thesis for the master degree. You know what the most interesting? If you, you want to kind of give it a the scene that idea. I I fell the most in love with was when you saw like the planet egg thing, mm -hmm. and it's just there's it's just the very beginning one where the camera is moving towards it, and you have this weird perspective distortion because the camera is physically moving to whatever prop they have mm -hmm. and you don't get that in CGI movie like planets or whatever. You don't get that anymore. Yeah, and that's such a a natural thing to get on camera to make the movie feel uncomfortable. And every, oh God, there's so many things in this movie. I couldn't even start with how weird this movie is. Um, <laughs> but it was just, a, it's such a, it was so unpredictable and it just made me think. I just wanted, I just, now I, I don't even want to do this show. I want to go sit in a corner in a dark place <laughs> and think. That's yeah. the kind of experience that I've walked away with. And I said this earlier. But it's the same experience I feel when I walk into a, a fine art museum and I mm. go through and I'm just walking and thinking, not even looking at the art and not talking and just experiencing it. Right. This was an experience. This is not a movie. This is what I call a masterpiece. This mm. is an art piece. This is not a movie. I can't I can't even qualify it as a movie. It's beyond a movie. Well, I wouldn't say it's his masterpiece. Uh, that's, that comes later. No, but it's not his masterpiece, but yeah. it is a, a masterpiece. masterpiece. Right. Yes. So on that note, David Brown, give us your thoughts. Well. My first impressions, I have to go back because the first time I saw this movie was in uh, Kip's, Kip, Kip Geyer's class in AI. Oh, really? For cinematography. Early on in the film, just before they eat dinner, you could cut the tension with a knife and they're not really doing anything. The first impression I had was tension. Then I watched it again because I went home and I watched it again. And it was just, it's nightmarish. Oh, God, yeah. On the surface, the surface thought is what it says, what most people get out of it in a first viewing is it's a nightmare about becoming a parent. I can see that. I can definitely like, see that from the film. Yeah. The, the girlfriend, when she's, I can't take it anymore. I just need a night's sleep. And like Sarah commented, that's, that's a mother's life. When the kid is little, you don't get sleep, you know. But then there's his fear of it. You know, when the mother says, "Did you have sexual intercourse with her?" and he's like, "Well, I don't want to. I don't want to tell you." It's like he got caught. You know, it's like, you know, ooh, we did a bad thing, and you know, oh crap, we've got a baby now. I was caught. Crap, I my life is done. It's over. That's on the surface, and it and it comes across. But there are so many other things in terms of the visual that one after you watch it a couple of times, like you said, the birth canal in the opening. Yes. You know. The sperm. The sperm, you know. Moss. Right. Uh, right, the moss. The dirt everywhere. You know, the, you know, you have a pile of dirt with a dead tree coming out of it in the middle of his house, you know, on his, on his dresser. Yeah. Why is that there? And you it's, know? It's a lot of stuff that you can read into. Right. And that's the part that this film does a lot of really interesting aspects for. I made the joke while we were watching it that, you know, David Lynch was, like, just at whatever the dime store was at the time and he's like well that's cheap i'm going to use that for my film right and then you've got a bunch of people like us that are looking at like oh, what, what does it mean, mean? <laughs> right did the 
did the moss mean that he's growing roots in the blah blah? And, and it's nope, like, it was the cheapest thing at Michael's. The picture of the, mus- the picture of the mushroom cloud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, I found that at a thrift store for a quarter. Like, and why what? does he have a bowl of water in his, his in drawer? His, with, in his drawer with pennies. But, but it's a wishing well. It's a wishing well, right? I never thought of that because I'm not one to throw pennies into a wishing well, so it doesn't necessarily cross not the my first mind. Thing, yeah. But when yeah. you said it, I'm like. Oh, that it's so it's, simple. Yeah, it's like it's his own personal like little wishing well of the, because right. if you think about it, and and this is this goes into how I overread films. So it's like it's his own perpetual state of I wouldn't necessarily call it creativity, but I'd call it creativity because it's one of those things where it's so funny because I think about it all the time when I'm sitting at the couch after working all day. It's like I'm sitting there growing mushrooms. You know, you're just sitting there and I'm, I plant myself on the couch and I don't move for a few hours and I make the joke in my head that I'm planting mushrooms. Yeah. So it's like funny that he has moss all over his house because it's like he's, plant, he's planting mushrooms right. in his house because he just has nowhere else to go to let it out. And so I feel like all of these things that are occurring to him. Because he's not, I'm sorry, but he's not a rolling stone because a rolling stone gathers no moss. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So I'm, it's like those kind of things that you read into it. I'm glad I showed you this movie because I knew you guys would have a really good good take on it. It's quite fascinating. A lot yeah. of this film you can take and you can interpret it in different ways. My interpretation of it is very much in a sexual liberation way because of the fact that the chickens, they bleed from their orifices. Mm-hmm. You've got the opening which looks like a planet, but it's totally an egg. You've got the moment. Yeah, it's definitely an egg. In the very beginning, where it, it he opens his mouth, mouth, and this creature comes crawling out, and it looks like it could be his brain and his spinal cord, but it also but looks like not. a sperm. Yes, right. yeah. and you've got that like motif going throughout the film. So, as a woman watching this film, of course, I get the birth trauma, and I oh, get I... the fear of birth, and things like that that are going on in this film, and I get that like you would get it. Too. I got it too, right? But there are other things that are in this film too, right? Um, like the stifling of creativity, mm-hmm. um, going from his everyday mundane nine to five. I'm just here, this is my life, you know, kind of mode to now I'm a father. Mm. Like, it's it's that jarring reality that could send anybody into hysterics. Right, it's, it's, it's the idea of, oh, I'm, you know, I'm 21 years old and I'm young and I'm, I'm working a little bit and I'm going to go have some fun and then all of a sudden, you know, boom, you're a parent. Whether, yeah. you're, whether you're a guy or a girl, all of a sudden you're a parent and you're like, there's resentment for the child. Yes. Because when he sees the neighbor, the, in order to have sex with the neighbor, the baby starts to cry, and he, he literally puts his hand over the, the baby's mouth. Like, shut up. She doesn't need to know you're here. Yeah. You know, I don't want her to know that I have a kid, because if I do, she's not going to have sex with me. Well, and... And it, it's the idea of resentment. Oh, my life is ruined now because I did something stupid and had a kid. And you can also look at it in the sense that... I don't know. At the time, I don't know when Roe versus Wade was passed, but it could also be a commentary on abortion. Sure, it could be. It could be a commentary on a million and one things. Because he aborts that baby in, like, what, the fifth trimester? Something like that. <laughs> like, it's weird. Oh. And, and it's one of those things where I don't, I don't have a lot to say about this film, but I have a lot to say about this film. <laughs> but what I have to say, it's all the same. It's hard to not go on about this film because it, it makes your brain start spiraling. I 
I like when you mentioned it was like, what's the beginning? Because you were talking about dreams earlier, and I, I thought, wow, this is like, if this was just the subconscious mm-hmm. of this man's brain, this is, you're only seeing his entire life from the perspective of subconscious, and subconscious is what controls your dreams. Mm-hmm. So if you see this as him in a waking life and sleeping life as the subconscious only, especially when he goes to the stage, that's when he's dreaming. You know, this and, is just subconscious perspective. And you had brought something up that goes to that because costume changes happen from sometimes from cut to they cut. They blink. Yeah, like he'll be in a he'll be in a black suit, but then he'll be in like a striped a suit. striped robe. So or which yeah. one is which one is dream? I would I would call the robe the dream and the suit the reality. No, I would call it all subconscious. It's like think of it this way. Think of how the brain works. The brain interprets data, and then you process that as what's current. Mm-hmm. But if the subconscious is also active, but it only sees the world as intermittent content, you are seeing the reality, but only what the subconscious sees, mm. not what the rest of the conscious mind sees. You're only right. seeing it from the subconscious. So that is awake and sleeping only from the subconscious perspective. So it's more like he's— That's what I feel like it's like. He's, so, yeah. would, so my understanding from your description yeah. would be— He's constantly, or at least in this film, he's constantly in that moment between waking consciousness and falling asleep where you have that, cre- which goes back to your point, where you have one of your most creative, your most creative uh, time is in that what we perceive is probably like a second mm-hmm. of being conscious and then falling into sleep. That's where you're kind of most creative. So he's kind. It could be stated that he's kind of in that limbo throughout the whole movie. Well, yeah. you can think of it too. If he is a new father, even if and, and I said this during the episode or during watching the movie, where it reminds me of Metamorphosis, mm-hmm. where you don't know if the creature, if the creature that we are following is actually a human or a bug, and the family is the human or the bug. Like right. it's written in a way that you can interpret it either way. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like the episode of Twilight Zone where the woman goes in for plastic surgery because she thinks she's the ugliest oh, creature. Oh, right. And then all the. And then it's all like when they unwrap. They all look like pigs, kind of. They like all the look snow. like pigs. <laughs> yeah. But like when she unwraps her bandages, she's gorgeous. Right. So it's like that kind of idea in the sense that um, he may perceive the baby as being this awful creature that is like encroached on his life. Right. When in reality, it's just a normal baby. Yeah. yeah but his subconscious sees it as this. But his subconscious yeah. sees him as this because he's not. He now he's been thrust into this world of no sleep. And the resentment and the gets resentment pushed back to the and, subconscious. And right. the mother leaves, so the mother right. abandons the baby. So now he's seeing the resentment of that. And then he looks at her as literally like a baby machine. Yeah. Yeah. Then when they in bed where they're pulling out all the sperm because she's in that bag. Yeah. Like you said, it's almost like her being birthed because she's sweaty and she's, you know, her right. skin is slick. And yeah, that goes back to that that fear. Well, I don't want any more of these because he starts throwing them against the wall. Exactly. And then there's the woman with the cheeks, the woman in the radiator. She starts because they start dropping onto her stage and she starts stepping on them. Yes. And she takes him to heaven, which in my opinion is there are no babies in heaven, at least to him. Right. At that point. And if you talked about David Lynch doing this deep meditation. Yeah. Deep meditation is the way to, you can kind of connect to your subconscious. Right. So if we want to go to say that this is a David Lynch personified right. as an it's art piece. Transcendental he is meditation. giving you a window into the subconscious of this character. Yeah. But exactly. And it's it's one of those things where it talks about – and at the time you're talking it's the sexual re- – um, 
Yeah, there's the sexual revolution. Revolution. You've got women's liberation, things like that. Right, and all of that stuff that's going on. So it's kind of like his interpretation of what fatherhood would be like. Yeah. Yeah. And because the wife walks out without any kind of, she doesn't fight with him. She doesn't tell him, well, you can't tell me what to do. She just walks out. She's done. Well, and and the interesting part about it that I found was when she was trying to get her suitcase out from under the bed and she's sitting there and she's rattling the beds, the bedpost and stuff like that. And it looks like bars. Yeah. It looks like she's in jail and that she's being jailed by her life that is going on. Mm hmm. But at the same exact time, it's and and this trigger warning, so I'll give it a second. It's like when a woman is raped. I was gonna say it was very rapey. Yeah, yeah. And that's in that moment, just on our facial expression. Yes. Yeah. She did. Not, she's frightened. She's scared. She's scared. She's frightened. But it's like that's what you know. I feel like a mother would feel like if she had been a mother of rape. And she's stuck. She can't get yeah, out. She can't get. She's it out. fighting to 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 flee, basically. Yeah, and so it's like it's a lot of all of this trauma that is in this film, that's kind of like personifying all of the stuff that's going on in the world at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this piece has a lot to say. Um, on first viewing, those are your surface right watching of it, and I'm sure if we were to watch it again, which I will not, unfortunately. This Dave is, will. I might, but I think I'm gonna have to give myself a, like a spacing. Yeah. Yeah. This is a movie. If you're gonna rewatch it, rewatch it a year after. I feel like if I. It's kind of like Dog Tooth. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's. it's Although just, I can watch this more than I can watch Dog Tooth. I'm done with Dog Tooth. Well, yeah. I I will never watch that movie again. Yeah, I won't touch. Yeah, because it didn't have the artistic flair that this movie has. So I want to give some credit to some of the actors in this film. Uh, Jack Nance, who is Henry Spencer, um, he is the main character. Uh, Charlotte Stewart, uh, Alan Joseph, Janine Bates, Judith Roberts, and Laurel Neer. Those are uh, some of the top actors in the film that you really follow throughout the film. Um, I definitely have to give them applause for the work that they did in this film because this is something kind of almost like Better Off Dead where I don't think they exactly knew what they were getting into when they were doing this film. <laughs> Probably. Well, maybe they did. Because Cause I think the one who played the wife, uh-huh. I think she worked with him before on his student film. So yeah. she, she had an idea. Oh, so, she was in uh, from the beginning. So <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's like, I don't know what I'm getting into, but I'm going to do it anyway because it sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, so I give them a lot of credit for being able to do a film like this, especially, um, was it John Nance? Yeah. Jack Nance, excuse Jack me. Nance. Yeah. Jack Nance, I mean, as an actor, man, to be able to hold that kind of serious expression the entire time, I would be cracking up. You notice when he released it? No. Totally in the end. Yeah, it was when he got the hug. Yeah, right. He end. didn't exactly smile, but he just his face relaxed. relaxed. Tension. It, it relaxed. relaxed. Right. Alan Joseph. He's only in one scene, and that's at the dinner scene. Yeah. But it's fantastic. You can tell that he's got this craziness about him. And then there's when the when the two women leave after after the carving of the chicken. After the just, orgasm scene, they just sit there. And then after what seems like 10 minutes, he looks at Henry and says, so Henry, what do you know? And, and the smile stays. so odd because... The smile just stays there. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a picture. And at first his eyes are kind of fluttery. And then when the daughter comes out and is like looking over him, that's when he's got that... Eh. 
and you know what it reminds <laughs> me of is like the Joker. But worse. One, he's just sitting there, and you can, it's like his customer service smile. Yeah. Everybody who works in customer service knows what I mean, where mm-hmm. you're just sitting there. And I know exactly what to do when I meet a Karen you're now. You're smiling, hey, hello. but you're dead inside. Right. <laughs> like, hello. The only thing I got left to say about this movie, it's, it's definitely a brain burner. Let's give David Lynch's due. Oh. To, I would love to meet David Lynch. To actually have that kind of work come out of your fingertips. Eh. It's crazy. I mean, I'm not calling him crazy because, you know, it takes a certain caliber of person to actually put out work like mm-hmm. that. Sure. And it's not crazy. Opposite of crazy. It's, it's completely genius. real. Yeah. Like he says, he, he loves ideas. And that's that, a great way to put it. But that's, you can see his influence in films like Better Off Dead. Yeah. Because it's like, you have these actors who are like, well, I don't know if I can do this. Well, if David Lynch can do it, I can totally yeah, do it. Yeah, if David Lynch can make this, I don't want to hear it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's like he paves the way for people. And I, I really give him a lot of credit for that because it takes it like, like I said, it takes a caliber of person to do that. Mm. Um, on that note, there's no CGI in this film. Well, there's practical effects. Just compositing. At least at the beginning. Compositing and, the end. And, and practical effects. So what what did you think of that while well, we can... Yeah, what did you think of the opening? Because you're big on, oh, on dude, the opening. It was awesome. Like I said about that planet, like the egg. Yeah. Like that weird... Because you don't get that with the CGI. Trench. Because it's a physical camera moving. Right. Yeah. There's a... It's, it's, it's used... What do you call it? It's used properly. Mm-hmm. That's the best thing I could say about the compositing. Yeah. But so, other than that, it's old-fashioned. Yeah. So the compositing, what did you think of the editing of the film? It was jarring, but it was jarring with purpose. So, yeah, yeah, it broke some rules. Um, it broke, I think it broke rules when it needed to. Like, the first elevator scene. You see him kind of walk in, and it's kind of a close-up. And he walks in, and he turns around, and you're waiting for the doors to close. Then there is a cut to essentially what is the same shot from further back. Yeah. Which normally you don't do. But you get away with it on this one. Um the jarring cut from the from the picture of the, the torn picture to the woman in the door uh, is 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 a good cut. Uh, like you said, cinematography, the way she was framed within the pipe of yes. the room, you know, um, the the tilted ninety degrees of him opening his mouth, uh, the composite of the eraser shavings behind his head, stuff like that. Uh, but I I I really I really want. RJ to watch this movie yeah. simply oh, yeah. because of the sound. RJ would love this movie for sound because he could tell you more about what the sound effects might be made from on top of how they make you feel in conjunction with the editing and the cinematography. The sound, the sound makes without the soundtrack to this movie, without the without the ambient noises, and the song, this is not the same film. It it's would, it's it would be it would be, uh, it wouldn't be the classic that it is. You guys feel the infrasound? That's the sound you don't hear, but you feel it. Yeah, yeah. That's because because low we have the, rumble. Yeah, kind because of thing. we have the subwoofer, you can really feel it when they they put it in the audio. Yeah, you just it feels like it's in your chest. Yeah. 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 It yeah. makes you sink in. Uh-huh. It's a weird experience. And I think that's why the film kind of tired us out, too, because it was a consistent <sighs> right. sinking feeling. Yeah. It tires you out, and it's also it's also that tension thing. This is, this is not a film that you want to watch 
when you're ready for bed because no. you will You'll fall asleep. asleep. Yeah. This is a film that you want to watch where you want to come from a caffeine high. Yeah. Come down from it. Right. Because that's... Watch it early in the morning when you're awake and ready to go, you know, if you're <laughs> going to do it, you know? Of course, no, it, it might, might kind of, Yeah, I was going to say it might ruin your day, but... Weekend yeah. thing. It's a weekend Yeah, movie. do a weekend <laughs> thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, so on that note, I think we've covered all of our bases. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. What rating would we give the film? I'm going to leave mine for last. Okay. Uh, David Veerkamp. I can't rate it. I can't. There's no star rating for this movie. <laughs> I, I, I can't rate it because... It's off our chart. It's not no. There is no, but there is no chart for it. It's in the subconscious. No, I can't rate it because it's amazing, but it makes me feel awful. (laughs) Let's let's take the five star rating system away and give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. I like that. That's the way Netflix does it. On this one, yeah, we can we can change up on that because I was gonna give it a one, and it's not for it's not for any lack of. Creativity, creativity, right. or anything it's like that. It's the experience that. you took with it. Yeah. Right? It's not my kind of film. Yeah, that's fine. So, uh, and, as, and that's as the a other critic. I would say no. I would never watch this again. And that's the other thing. I want RJ to watch it once because I know it's not his kind of film. But I want him to watch it simply for the sound. Yeah, I want his opinion on the sound. But I would definitely give this film a thumbs up. So, thumbs up, thumbs up, definitely a thumbs up. But you got a thumbs up from us. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we're not going to give this. Could you give it a star rating? I could give it a star rating. What would you give it as a star rating? I would give it four. Really? I would give it four solely on its creativity. Because it's the kind of movie, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, that we could take our muted show for The Man Who Fell to Earth Mm -hmm. and take my script and we could all read that script and then chop up everybody's voice into it like you could put my voice into something she's mouthing on the screen you could put my voice to you your voice to me so on and so forth we could make something very strange out of that it's a it's a thing we could play with color and monochrome uh we could shoot a couple of different things that don't necessarily fit with us talking in the in that but it's something that i want to make an abstract film you know this inspires that right yes this all David Lynch movies, with with certain exceptions of his straightforward ones like uh, Elephant Man, even though he does get surreal in Elephant Man. Isn't David Bowie in the Elephant Man? I don't know. He might be. I know Anthony Hopkins is. That's a weird combo. He plays I'm the doctor. I'm going to look it up real quick. I know Anthony Hopkins plays the doctor, and John Hurt plays the Elephant Man. He plays John Merrick. And he does get a little surreal in that, but not as much as, say, Mulholland Drive or Lost Highway. Or this movie. Or yeah. this. Uh, I would recommend this to anyone to at least watch it once, even if you have an experience like Sarah where you say, I, I, I'm not going to watch it again. You should watch it to be able to say, you know, if you want to... Um, it's a good starting point for art movies, really. Yeah. For art house. I would say that. Uh, for anybody. Better than Dog Tooth for a starting point, I'd tell you that. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely recommend this over Dog Tooth as a starting point. Yeah. It was in a play adaptation of it. Play adaptation of it. Okay. Either way, man. What a what no regrets. That was a good yeah. that was an interesting experience. Right. I it's it can be classified as a movie that you watch once and never watch it. It's a good movie that you only watch once. Yeah. It's like a vision it's, quest. Like yeah. I would describe this as a Native American vision quest. <laughs> yeah. So from all of us here at Postcut, thank you and have a wonderful night. Bye bye.